Hello and welcome to the official relaunch of the podcast. This podcast is now called Fauna Paradigm Podcast instead of Stolen Our Hearts. I've divided the podcast into two now, so if you're interested in ferrets, go on over to Ferret Paradigm Podcast. I should link that into the show notes. Yeah, people wanted to stick with ferret stuff if they like ferrets and exotic animals if they like exotic animals, rather than having to... um, skip the episodes they weren't so keen on so I'm dividing it up and making extra content for both. A little slightly relevant update about me um, since about I don't know October I've been coughing like crazy and then for about two months I had laryngitis I could barely speak I was whispering it sucked coughing and whispering <laughs> and the doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong with me they were like giving me steroids which messed up my immune system and then they were giving me, I think I've had five different kinds of antibiotics. I had pneumonia for a while, different lungs. One day I ended up in the emergency room, emergency department, we call it here, um, in the ED, and because I couldn't breathe properly. So yeah, I couldn't podcast. So that is why I've been stretching out the older episodes. You'll notice that my voice is still rather croaky, but I'm just happy that I can talk. Hopefully it will come back properly later and you'll enjoy my dulcet tones again. Uh, turns out I had silent reflux. Yeah, I knew I had it, forgot I had it because it really doesn't do anything to me except give me a lump in my throat at night time. So I sort of forgot all about it. And then after all this antibiotics and stuff, my friend was like, hang on, didn't you get diagnosed with silent reflux? Like, months ago when he had a sleep study I said yeah I did actually and she says you know that all of this is a symptom of that right and I said what yeah so my friend diagnosed me faster than all the other doctors did even though they had access to my health records a lot of this was due to not being able to go into the doctor because of having a cough because of COVID they will not let people with coughs go into the doctor. So it all had to be telehealth. So I'm like whispering down the phone. Anyway, that is why I haven't been podcasting. That is why my voice sounds bad. Silent reflux puts um, stomach acid in your lungs and in your throat. And you don't get heartburn. So you don't really feel it other than having a tight throat. And then all the other symptoms happen. And the doctors get confused. And they think you've got tonsillitis or something even though I didn't have a sore throat yes anyway (laughs) that is that this is fauna paradigm and this episode is going to be short little stories I find online about various exotic pets and I'm going to be collecting some stories from various people in my communities that I'm part of and that I run so that can be part of it too enjoy Did you know that rats giggle when they're tickled? Scientists can hear it with special microphones. 2023 is the year of the rabbit in the Chinese zodiac. Unfortunately, this means that many rabbits are adopted and then the owners don't know what they're doing with them. So this year we'll probably end up with a lot of rabbits needing homes. Pet chickens like to be cuddled. As do cows. One exotic pet you might not have heard of is the giant African snail, which can grow to 30 centimetres in length. They are unfortunately very destructive in the wild, and they can 
eat over 500 species of plants and apparently they've taken over an area in Florida uh, because they can lay up to a thousand eggs in a year and breed very very quickly <laughs> but apparently they're quite good pets. Until 2019 hermit crabs couldn't be bred in captivity all of them were caught wild until a lady called Mary who I will talk about in a later episode figured it out. There are records that pet hamsters and guinea pigs used to be sent across the country in the mail in a coffee can with holes punctured in it and a potato to eat on the journey. Why do pets like running on wheels? Well, people think it's for exercise, yes. But there's evidence that rats will do tricks to get access to their wheel even if they have access to other ways to exercise. So the wheel to them is a treat. Even rats, mice and other animals in the wild, if they're shown a wheel and taught how to use it, will run on it at night time just for fun. So scientists think that it's because they're enjoying the runner's high. Chinchilla fur is so dense that fleas suffocate in it. They have 80 to 100 hairs per follicle, unlike humans who have one or two hairs per follicle crazy. It also means they can never get wet because they'll just not dry and the fur will actually go mouldy. You can however feed them after midnight. Caro has messaged me to tell me that she has a ball python and she's got a couple of fun facts like they don't hear, they're generally skittish and they'll roll in a ball before trying to bite, they can hiss like a cat, they're dumb, they can't have emotions like love and they eat rats as large as the thickest part of their bodies. Oh, and when they yawn, they're actually just realigning their jaws. That's disappointing, actually. I was hoping they actually were yawning. Wonder if all snakes are like that. Chrono the ferret tells me that ferrets used to be cable runners. They'd be sent down holes to lay underground wires. Go follow him on Twitch if you'd like. My friend Jordan tells me that he had pet rabbits, and he loved them, but they really turned him off of Cocoa Puffs. If you have pet rabbits, you might know why. When pet rats are incandescently happy, they do something called boggling, which is where their eyes actually vibrate. And it appears like the eye is pretty much popping out of their socket. Um, That can happen when pet rats are patted or held by their family members, playing with a favourite toy or eating a favourite food. It is quite weird. Someone on Reddit tells me that Crested geckos, which are commonly kept as pets, uh, especially in the USA, were discovered in 1866 in New Caledonia. And they were originally called the eyelash gecko because they look like they've got eyelashes. Then after their discovery, they were not seen for over 100 years and they were thought to be extinct until they resurfaced in around 1994. And they're now commonly kept as pets. The species is considered vulnerable in the wild today and would probably have been extinct if it was not for being rediscovered and bred in captivity. Turns out when they were trying to rediscover the geckos, they were looking for them on the wrong island. Capybaras mark their territory with poop. And I was like, what, you can even own a capybara? But yes, in the US, they are legal to own in Texas, Pennsylvania and New York. I just assumed that they were only really available as a pet in their native country. Interesting. Servals are another pet that 
some people have. I actually had a serval experience on our honeymoon. I didn't get to pat them because they were a bit nervous that day, but we got to feed them some egg and they're gorgeous tall cats, um, really nice, interesting animals. And they sent Mark by peeing everywhere, both male and female, and apparently it's very hard to break them of that habit. They will use the litter box, but it's hard to get them to use it consistently. So it's highly recommended that you do not have a carpet at home. Fair enough. Same with ferrets. <laughs> Something useful about rabbits is that their poop makes excellent fertiliser, even better than cows. Something else about rabbit poop is that they have two different kinds of poop. One, the hard, dry pellets that are excellent fertiliser, and the other a soft squishy one that you'll very rarely see because almost as soon as it's been pooped out the rabbits will eat it because it needs more digestion to get all of the nutrients out. In Japan large horned beetles are a popular pet for children and adult hobbyists. It fits well with the small apartment life. Also in Japan there are places where you can go and borrow a dog for a walk or a cuddle um, because so many people want dogs but they don't have the space for them. There are also pet cafes where you can go and have a drink of a cafe kind of drink, not an alcohol kind of drink, and interact with various pets, often cats or dogs, but um, there are also ones for hedgehogs, flying squirrels and otters. If I ever go to Japan, I'll be making a beeline straight for those. A little over 60 years ago, a interesting experiment started, which was about how to domesticate foxes. This started as an experiment to see how dogs may have been um, domesticated thousands of years ago by humans. Uh, the experiment started over 60 years ago with Dmitry Believ, sorry, butchered that, um, someone in Siberia, and he was studying genetics. So he went around to all the fur farms across the Soviet Union and he purchased the tamest foxes on hand. They then did some selective breeding of the foxes to prove that foxes' demeanour wasn't just about their proximity to humans, uh, but was the result of genetic selection. They also began to breed foxes that showed undesirable traits, such as being aggressive. So that way they could prove that the same foxes could lead to uh, different behavioural outcomes. Unfortunately, the, um, the original geneticist didn't uh, get to see the outcomes of this experiment, but now there is a large number of these domesticated foxes out there Apparently, they have no fear of humans and actively seek out human companionship like dogs do. And the most friendly are labelled elite foxes. So there's this quote here that says, By the 10th generation of domestic foxes, 18% of fox pups were elite. By the 20th, the figure had reached 35%. Today, elite foxes make up 70-80% to 80 of our experimentally selected population. I think that is fantastic. These foxes are silver foxes, so they're not the red traditional looking foxes. They change physical traits, such as they've got spots in their fur and their tails are curled, and their ears are a bit different to the wild ones too. Though these foxes are a lot friendlier than wild foxes, uh, you can't train them like you can with dogs. 
Um, there's an example here which involves um, you can be sitting there drinking a cup of coffee and turning your head for a second and then taking a swig and realising, yep, Boris the fox came up here and peed in my coffee cup. So I am looking forward to uh, future results of these foxes. They are really cute and interesting. Though many kangaroos make friends with humans uh, that live on their property and land, um, both ways, <laughs> humans that live on the kangaroo's property and kangaroos that live on the human's property, they often make friends. It's actually illegal to have them as a domesticated pet, but obviously there are rescue ones that can't be re-released. You need a permit for those. And lots of people sort of have them as a, a friendly wild pet in their bushland property no you definitely can't ride them in the days of early white settlers to australia lots of people had quolls as pets that's q-u-o-l-l-s quolls as pets and apparently they just wander around the house like cats and eat any bugs that happen to be in the house and they tended to be quite friendly but like kangaroos, you cannot have them as pets. African pygmy hedgehogs apparently enjoy having quiet music played to them. In the wild, hedgehogs walk or run about 14 kilometres a night. And now a quick break to listen to a podcast promo from one of my pet podcasting friends. If you're interested, go and give her a listen. Are you an animal lover? Have you ever experienced an animal encounter while traveling that just didn't seem quite right? Here at Humane Nature Podcast, we unpack the do's and don'ts of animal and wildlife tourism around the world using literary research, expert interviews, and my own personal experiences in travel, veterinary medicine, and animal behavior studies. Join me as we learn to become more knowledgeable, ethical travelers together. You can find Humane Nature anywhere you get your podcasts. That's Humane Nature Podcast. If you get yourself a pet sugar glider, you need to be aware that these Australian animals usually live in large groups and they need to climb because they're arboreal species. They also need space to be able to glide. And they do have sharp nails, which makes it a little bit unpleasant for some people. Though they're often advertised as a pocket pet, they need a lot more space than just a pocket. Unlike ferrets, which are asleep for up to 20 hours a day, guinea pigs are awake for up to 20 hours a day. They also have four toes on their front feet and three toes on their back feet, which is pretty strange. Ashley from my Stolen Our Hearts Facebook group says, Mini pigs are anything under 300 pounds. There is no such thing as a teacup or micro pig that stays small forever. Our mini pig is at least 180 pounds and was sold as a pig who wouldn't get over 60 pounds. Luckily we accommodate, but so many pigs are abandoned once they grow too big. Dan, also from the Stolen Our Hearts Ferret and Exotic Pets group, says, When my wife did falconry, the first step after trapping a juvenile red-tailed hawk was to socialise it by letting it basically hang out with you. I watched several football games with a hawk on my glove. Sometimes he would stare at me, sometimes he would watch the TV. 
It was a bit like trying to act like everything was normal with a serial killer staring at you. Australian magpies, also another pet that isn't really a pet, uh, can sometimes be seen lying flat on their stomachs with their wings spread out. Uh, they look quite dead, actually. Um, what they're doing in reality, though, is sunning themselves because it brings all the insects to the surface and then they can be mite-free. It's much easier to pick the mites and other insects off of their skin if they come to the surface. Magpies are known for being very, very clean, apparently. Goats can tell the difference between a happy person and an unhappy person, and they prefer to be with happy people. Goats are very observant problem solvers. They will often watch a person or another animal solving a problem and then copy it. Goats' rectangular pupils, the horizontal rectangles, help them see 320 to 340 degrees around them, unlike humans. Um, they don't have to turn their head to see uh, that many degrees around them either. But they do need to tip their head up or down if they'd like to see up or down because of the shape of their pupils. Sheep also have these kinds of eyes. Mother sheep can recognise the sound of their own lambs bleating out of an entire flock. There are over a thousand different species of sheep. Australian blue tongue lizards make excellent pets. There are quite a few different kinds of these lizards or skinks with a blue tongue in Australia. They're excellent to have in your backyard and they deal with pests such as snails and they're really quite friendly. Their best survival trait is tucking their little legs by their body and slithering along a bit so they look like a snake. This prevents them from being attacked by birds. Though they can bite sometimes, they're pretty harmless. Shingleback lizards are another kind of Australian lizard that is a very common pet and is also often found wandering around your backyards or local, or local bushlands. If you don't know the shingleback, this is the one that has what looks like two heads, one on each end of its body, but one is actually its tail. Shinglebacks mate for life. Each breeding season, they will go and find their partner. If you're thinking about getting a pet parrot, make sure you think about it in your will. Who will inherit your parrot? Canaries are surprisingly unsocial birds. It seems like there's a lot of debate online about if it's okay to have more than one canary to a cage and if the size of the aviary matters, if you can put them together, if you can put two female birds together. It's all very complicated, so look into that before you get a canary. Never assume that you'll be able to keep more than one bird in one cage. But I suppose that goes for bringing any new pet into your home. Though canaries cannot talk, they can learn to sing a tune that you've taught them. Frogs can't chew things, so they have to swallow things in one big gulp. But they can do something really weird with their eating. Many species of frogs can actually vomit up their own stomach. Yes, the whole organ. And then very quickly, they can pull food that is toxic out of their stomach contents and then swallow it all back up again. This is a very quick process and helps them survive if they've eaten something they shouldn't have. 
axolotls used to be known as Mexican walking fish. In the native environment, they are critically endangered and their native habitat is in dire straits. Something really cool about axolotls is that they can regenerate lost body parts. I actually have a huge list of animals in front of me right now of animals that can be pets in some parts of the world or that are pets in Australia. Um, but I could just go on about this all day. <laughs> and I think the episode is actually getting a bit long. So I'm going to cut it off now. And if you're interested in hearing about more animal facts, come and listen to the podcast. It is Fauna Paradigm. Or you can listen to Ferret Paradigm if you're interested in ferrets. Come and join me. Send me your facts. Thank you so much. Talk to you next week. Bye.